The following Dharma talk was presented at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota, as part of the weekly Dharma series. The speaker is Mark Nunberg, guiding teacher at Common Ground. So those of you who practiced for a while, done these practices for a while, know that there are different ways, different styles. Um, So it's good to take a little time so that we can get clear about how to find our own way creatively, both during the times when you're formally taking up loving-kindness as a meditation object, and then keeping that quality in mind, but just generally as we're living our life, or on retreat, cultivating the continuity of present moment awareness, how does this attitude of loving-kindness support? How does it come in? So any comments and questions now that anybody has? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, thoughts are used a lot, but there's useful thoughts or wise thoughts, right thoughts, and then the not-so-skillful thoughts. And wholesome thoughts are thoughts that direct the mind to a wholesome or helpful object, experience, right? And unwholesome thoughts are thoughts that lead to more thinking, which we generally call proliferation. That's that papancha word I mentioned last night, the conceptual proliferation where thoughts lead to more thoughts. And and then the mind, because it being identified with the thoughts, then the mind experiences being disconnected from the way it is, from dhamma, right? Because we're lost in thought. The mind is lost in thought. And then when we're lost in thought, we f- we may not be consciously aware of it, but we feel disconnected. So then we're, we do all kinds of unproductive things because we feel so lousy being disconnected. But we don't do the one thing that could change things, which is to connect, to be mindful, to connect with the way it is. So any thoughts that bring the mind into the moment are useful. Now here, with this practice, we're using thoughts that bring the mind, bring attention specifically to the emotional, attitudinal quality of love. Right. So it's what we would call an exclusive object of meditation. When we're just being mindful, anything will do. We are angry, okay, anger is being known. Anger in that moment is the object of awareness. But here we want to find our way back to the quality of love over and over again. So we strategically use thought and mental image to basically remind the mind that this emotion, this attitude is available. This heart is capable of experiencing directly, immediately, the attitude, the quality of love. And it's like this, it feels like this. So it's a little bit of a leap of faith because it's not like the attitude has a label. This is loving kindness. <laughs> but you'll sense, because I mentioned um, right at the very beginning, what you'll notice is the absence of ill will. Right? Like, here you are, this body, mind, this experience, but no ill will, no aversion, no irritation to be seen or felt. Okay, so that's love. 
And then when that quality, the absence of aversion, the presence of love is clear, then you may drop the phrases and the mental images for a while and practice more fully resting in that attitude, that quality of love. And when the mind gets distracted or doubt arises, then you can bring up the phrases or the mental images, the person, right? And then whether you're using phrases or not, the general movement is for that quality to be more and more inclusive. Because although we might bring, like I might bring an image of myself holding our cat to mine, up against my heart, standing, looking out the back window, having our moment together, right? And then that, because that kind of love for me is very pure. I'm not expecting, I've learned not to expect anything back from the cat. (laughs) So it's just like pure generosity. And it's really, it's a really good quality, uh, uh, image, memory to bring up because then it's felt now in this moment. The mental image, the thought or memory, right, that may be based on something past, but what I'm experiencing now, that's love right now, right? And then it isn't too big of a step to realize it actually isn't about the cat. The love, it's its own thing. And that's where we go from what we would call more ordinary love with attachment. It's about this person to love itself. And that's a really, that's one of the things, if you're new this week, then really tease out the difference between the person, like we began, we brought our body to mind to begin with, right? And then our own life here, and then an easy person. But the attitude of love actually isn't about any of that. That was just, used skillfully to remember, oh yeah, this is what love feels like. This is what love, in a sense, looks like. Or this is how it is to sort of abide there, to rest there in that attitude. Are there thoughts or questions about how we practice today? The Buddha says in different places that developing a really strong metta, loving-kindness practice, is the easiest way to get a taste of what liberation is like. Because it does temporarily suppress all that self-centered, egoic activity, right? So we, the mind gets a sense of what it's like not to be oppressed by that neurotic activity which is why we do it, <laughs> in part. Yeah, I was... And, it, and it's really, you know, you're going to just... Ha- we all have to find our medicine, both in terms of how many words, like what is actually helpful, but also sometimes using the personal pronoun, me, is actually useful, and sometimes it's not. You know, so we just have to sort of see what actually brings us to the authentic experience of love. Um, but yeah, I tend to like doing it that way personally, but every once in a while, like, and I notice when I use a personal pronoun, all of a sudden it like really gets strong. So it's, I'm really open, you know, it's, we need a lot of tricks because the mind will resist this in some ways. You probably notice some of you today, 
But we just learned that Aikido move. I don't know if you know anything about that martial arts technique. I don't know much, just a little bit that I've read. But, you know, they, the, the attacker's energy is used. So, like, when the mind resists or, like, oh, you know, what are you being sentimental? Whatever, however the mind resists, it's like we can just use it. Oh, honey, I see you complaining. I see you resisting. And I care about it. So there's a way to just uh, be skillful with whatever resistance or whatever shows up. And using and not using personal pronouns, more language, no language. And then generally people who can create mental images, they can be very poignant because in a way they're more powerful than the words. So if you can have a clear mental image of people or a person or animal in the initial stages, it can be helpful. You can even do that for yourself, you know, even an image of yourself as a child or whatever works. Thanks, Iris. Anything else before we do some walking practice? Judging in the sense of not being good enough? Yeah, but this is what I meant. In, and uh, now you've already been on retreat for a couple days. And so this kind of practice, there's a lot that's already been, in a sense, stirred up, right? Joseph Goldstein described it once as cool water hitting red-hot metal. And there can be a you know. And it's like we do all the right things, but the the mind, the heart, whatever, it's just not having it, you know. It's like it has a very compelling argument, some version of you don't deserve love, or you're not good enough, or whatever it might be, or this is fake. And uh, that's why I said a couple times, it's really a confidence move. So if you have to, you can just sort of go back, and again, this is a lot of words, but really, both in a felt sense, but in a, even in a reflective sense, do I trust that this heart is capable of actual love, being generous in that way, kind in that way, wishing well in that way. Yeah, I, I think that's possible for me. You know, I remember sometimes. You know, so that, that little exercise right there, it's, so we're not, we're not demanding that we're like some superhuman love machine, but we just know that this capacity is real and we're choosing to keep it in mind. It's really that simple. This heart has the capacity for love, and for this period of time, I'm choosing creatively to keep it in mind, to not forget it. Because the, the general sense that we find is that it grows when it's kept in mind. It fills the space of the mind and heart and body, or the space of this present moment. And there's a lot of healing that happens. We get tastes, a flavor of liberation, right? A lot of emotional healing. It does actually, in a pragmatic way, affect the relationships of the people that we've used, conveniently used to do it. So that's a sort of side effect. Um, and the, probably the most radical and important thing, 
is it really supports awareness practice. Because there really isn't any deep awareness practice until aversion is teased out. Right? It won't get teased out completely. And just having more confidence and momentum with kindness really is a balancing thing. You probably have seen yourself at times when you have pretty good interests, but it's just there's a subtle tinge of aversion and control, right? Not the real generous warmth of love. So we really, this really keeps the, uh, the mindfulness in balance. Some people just are naturally, this is just a strength in their personality. And then, you know, they may not need to do as much formal loving-kindness practice. But some of us, it's really powerful. And it's a really great practice for concentration. And some of us in our small group, we were talking about that. Um, Like sometimes the mind just wants to get really quiet. And because when love is strong, the quality of love is strong, and we've learned to abide in it, then the mind can really retreat. And that's that experience, that temporary experience of being free from the afflictive qualities of the mind. The mind is literally retreating, absorbing into the quality of love. And so then for that period of time, it is liberated from all the other not-so-wholesome qualities. And so it will always come back, but it will come back knowing what it's like to have put down aversion and fear for a period of time. And it really, it's like, in a Buddhist sense, it's real self-esteem. Like we, we realize this heart is capable of being really beautiful. That doesn't mean I can manifest it when I want, but it changes how we think and feel about ourselves. And it's funny, it's beautiful and it's not personal at the same time. So just remember, like normalize that pushback, whatever you feel. And, uh, and try, experiment a little bit, like creatively, where your heart is willing. Now, like today, we started with ourselves, the body. A lot of times, teachers don't start with oneself, because it's complicated. <laughs> so a lot of times, people just start with the easiest thing or person or being you can bring to mind. So you might just... Kamala might probably start with the easy being tomorrow when she does it. And uh, it's just that I, I generally start with oneself. So you might find it easier tomorrow not to have to start with yourself. <laughs> Anything else you want to say about that? Thanks for sharing with us. Any last questions or comments? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm so glad you said that. Because that's, that's one of those creative move, moves, right? To be the one, the generous radiant giving of love and to be the receipt that sort of because gen- receiving love is also an act of generosity like just letting it in right it's basically whatever helps connect yeah thanks for, for sharing that with us um i'm assuming we have enough chairs but if ever there's uh people who are sitting on the floor want chairs and if we don't have enough in the room we can bring a few few more out we could put one over here and even another one over there and there may be space back there too. So make sure that, you know, throughout the day if you want to go between a chair and the floor, we can always make sure that there's enough chairs for everyone. And then someone left a note, 
and I think I noticed this too. Um, some people are really sensitive to scents, you know, like the kind of scents you might have in laundry detergent or perfumes, of course, and things like that. And generally, these retreats are scent-free environments as much as possible. And uh, the staff can help you if you have scented products and you need non-scented replacements for them. You can leave a note for the staff. Or if you feel like your clothes, because you use scented laundry detergent, have a strong scent. You know, I don't know if you noticed, but next to Kamala's cabin, the founder's cabin, there's uh, the wire fence there. And that's at one of the more sunny spots. And there's some clothespins on that, so you'll notice those. And you could just put your clothes, uh, if you feel like one of your sweaters has a strong scent, just out there, let it air out for an afternoon or something like that. And uh, that's, that's just a nice way to take care of people. I mean, we're all sensitive, but some people are very sensitive to scents, and it just makes them hard to come into the meditation hall or be around other people. So just keep that in mind. Do whatever you can to help others who are on the retreat. So we have about 30 minutes before dinner for walking. Thanks for practicing together. This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org.